told me, he said, Brother Carnahan, he said, people that come to Sunday morning services a lot of times are because they, you know, they, they like the preacher. And sometimes something will connect there and that type of thing. He says, sometimes, he says, then they'll come to Sunday night services because they like the church. And, um, and then he says, but they come to Wednesday nights or Thursday nights, whatever the midweek services, because they love the word. Now, I understand, I, I don't mean this anyway, because people have work schedules, and I understand sometimes it doesn't, um, it doesn't work out for them for a while. I just got a message tonight on my phone that uh, somebody had, um, um, and I'm going to need your help. Back there in the booth, Sister Carnahan has some of these batteries. If you wouldn't mind replacing the battery on that, I'd appreciate that. Um, but I, I realize with schedules and stuff like that, it's hard, you know. Um, it seemed like in the 70s, there were more people in the 8 to 5 or the, the 7 to 3 shift thing than it is today. And so, and even in my own life, when I, the first year I was in the church, first two years actually I was in the church, I wasn't able to make Wednesday night or Thursday night services when they had them, so I missed that. And so we just kind of did some things on our own during the week. But I'm glad that you're here and that I appreciate your hunger for the Word of God. We've been talking about the, the, uh, the theme of marked, and, um, and, and that is such a powerful word if you think about it. I think it's in the Old Testament the in the book of Psalms. Um, little music in the background here to make sure everybody's relaxed, and <laughs> we don't want anybody, you know, get any hard feelings tonight. His body He's going to get it. His blood poured out yeah. <laughs> this is so good. This is so good. They're good songs. They'd probably be better. Than it's all right. That's all right. Where was I? Oh, the word marked. And, and that's what we've been talking about here the last couple of weeks. The first week, they, um, the, the title was, or I should say, the subject was marked by salvation. And salvation is an important thing. I want to be marked with salvation. Can you say amen? And then the second lesson last week, we talked about the idea of being marked for the call. Thank you, brother. You are very, very good. Um, are you going to be able to let me do this then sometime? Well, I'm going to go on. And if we don't have anything on the screen, you guys have those things in your class, right? We can do this without that. Um, but the bottom line is we want to be marked. You know, I think it's in the book of Psalms. I think it is Psalm 37 where it says, Mark the perfect man. And, uh, and actually the word there, I think, in Hebrew means to observe. And, and, it, and it goes on to say for that man, he's got peace in his life. And so being marked is a good thing. Amen. Um, you want to go to the other side of the scale. In the book of um, Romans, chapter 16, it says, Mark the first of the part, divisions. So, I mean, these are things that, you know, hopefully we're being marked with things that are positive, right? We're being marked with things that God wants us to be marked with in Jesus' name. And tonight, we're going to be talking about being marked for transformation. And this is a process that is taking place in every one of your lives right now. Whether you, whether you can see it or not, this is what's happening to you. Um, I've mentioned it before, and I've even taught from this, this, this idea, that there are three um, uh, areas of transformation that will happen to a person. The first thing is justification. Now, these aren't in your notes, but I'm just giving you this for free tonight. But there's justification, and the Bible says that we are justified by faith. See, without faith, it's impossible to please Him. We've got to exercise faith 
towards God. That's what the Bible teaches us, okay? And so we become justified. And, you know, the, the, the problem with our American culture is that we like to stop when it's just getting good. And that's what a lot of people do. They feel like, well, I'm justified by faith, so I can just go on with my life any way that I want to. You make a huge mistake when you do that. Because the next stage is what we're going to talk about tonight, and that is sanctification. You and I need to be sanctified. And we'll talk more about that, so I won't mention it. And then the latter stage, or the last stage in, in, in our, our progressive walk with Christ, is to become glorified. And that's something that's going to happen in the future. Praise God. You and I are going to have glorified bodies. We are going to be glorified with Christ. But you know, there are certain things that have to take place before that takes place. Even with Jesus Christ Himself. You know, the Bible says that He was in all points tempted as we are. He suffered greatly in life and this was all a purpose for Him to become glorified. And so you and I were following in that, in that wake, if I can put it that way. That's what you and I are doing. So consider that tonight as we, we talk about these things. Uh, the major character here that we're going to talk about tonight is somebody named jo uh, Jacob. And so let's talk about that here um, in Jesus' name. Uh, the Bible says, and I don't know, yeah, here we go. Ah, I can get it to work. Um, Genesis chapter 32 and verses number 20, or verse number 28 says there, it says, And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob. Everybody say Jacob. It says, But Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God. A position. Jacob, you got a position now. And it says, And with men and has prevailed. Praise God. So there were things that happened in Jacob's life that helped him with his transformation. And that's why the character study in the Old Testament, New Testament, is not something that is not worthy of your time. It's very much worthy of your time. Studying how God helped these people, men and women, to be trans, you know, uh, uh, tra transformed, if I can put it that way. Now the big transformation that we're looking for is in the rapture. In a moment, in twinkling of an eye, anybody um, familiar with that scripture? That's going to happen, praise God. And I believe God can and will, in some cases, fast forward. All of a sudden, everything we needed to have, man, just bam, just like that. But in the process, or I should say at this time, we need to let God have his transformation power in our lives. Can you say amen? Listen to this. You know, I don't know if you've ever heard the expression, two feet in a heartbeat. Anybody ever heard that expression? Two feet in a heartbeat? Well, <clears throat> it implies that even if individuals do not possess a car, bicycle, or money for a bus, they can still get you know, around because they have two feet in a heartbeat. Okay? And unless you live in large metropolitan cities as New York, Los Angeles, or Chicago, walking as a means of transportation may seem um, you know, out of the question. But in Bible times... However, walking was the primary mode of transportation. That's how people got from one place to the other, you know. Well, multiple biblical authors viewed life as a journey. That's one of the things that they portrayed. They said that life is like a journey. Okay, as a result, the word walk is the Bible's most popular metaphor for living by faith. What does it say in the Bible? We walk by faith and not by sight, right? For example, consider the genealogies of the book of Genesis, where the author introduced somebody like Noah. Well, for example, consider uh, with a brief genealogy and an explanation that Noah walked with God. Okay? 
So that's a good term. That's something for us to consider, okay? Additionally, Noah's great-grandfather, Enoch, also walked with God. That was his testimony. Amen. So we want the same thing. The author used the metaphor of walking with God to demonstrate that both Enoch and Noah were people of faith. That's what it did. It described that. They were walking in faith so that they were people of faith. The Bible also uses this walking metaphor when it explains that God aids in our journey as we walk with Him. Proverbs advises us to trust the Lord with all of our ways and He shall direct our paths. Isn't that a beautiful scripture? That's a beautiful promise for right now, by the way. You know, consider the words of the psalmist when he said, who, who described God's word as a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. See how this is working? It's word pictures. These are things that help us to understand what's going on. And sometimes walking is used to represent how, <clears throat> how obedience to God's commandments leads to peace and long life. That's in Deuteronomy 5. And at other times, we are admonished to walk in the Spirit to avoid the desires of the flesh. That's in Galatians 5. However, or, or I should say, wherever the walking may take us, we must walk with God, which always results in us walking in a different way. Now listen to this. It always results in a way that, uh, of a situation that we are walking in a different way than we used to. Can anybody identify with that? Amen. Now, that's what we have to understand, that transformation has to do with that. That's why it's a good subject. It's not something to be afraid of. It's not something to get intimidated by. It's something to welcome in Jesus' name. And so consider that tonight in Jesus' name. The guy we're going to be talking about is Jacob. Um, two two uh, chapters in the Bible describe uh, um, uh, an encounter that he had with God. One is in the 28th chapter of the book of Genesis where he came to a place called, that he considered Bethel. And the word Bethel literally means house of God. Amen. And then another place that we're going to talk about a little bit later on was a place called Peniel. And that's in the 32nd chapter of the book of Genesis, which we just read from. And this is where he encountered the face of God. Amen. And I found that to be very true with a lot of people's lives. People can walk into a place like this on a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, whatever the case is, and they can feel the presence of the Lord. Can you say amen? And that is good. That's a great introduction. But, you know, believe it or not, folks, you know, we're, we're walking a different way and sometimes we're going to come to a place where we're going to encounter the face of God. We're going to face God. And sometimes, you know, we, 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 we want to avoid that type of a meeting, but we must understand that tremendous strides of transformation can take place with those kind of encounters. Come on. How many have ever walked out of a prayer meeting and said, I'm different now? How many have ever walked out of a service and said, whoa, there was something going on here tonight that was just a little bit bigger than, than a lot of other times? See, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you. You are marked for transformation. God said, I want you. I'm not talking about Uncle Sam now. I'm talking about God. He says, I want you. And I want you to be transformed, praise God. And so tonight, as we consider these things, let the Lord give you some great understanding. Now, let's think about this thought right off the bat. Now, before we can own who we are, and when you talk about Jacob, that's really what he had to come to terms with, with who he was, 
okay? But before we can own who we are, we must know who we are. And this is a lot of times what will happen by way of revelation to us, you know, that God isn't telling us anything we don't really know. It's just that we sometimes have it way, way, way down deep in the subconscious, and we don't like to hear about that. But God has to help us with that. And so this is, this is a good thing. You know, this is what God wants to do in our lives, praise God. Well, let me ask the question here tonight as we begin. And I'll start over here. What would be your definition of the word sanctification or to be sanctified? What do you think, Tom? What would be a simple definition of the word sanctify? Just take a stab at it. What do you think? That's okay. That's all right. Okay. How about you guys? Good term. Jeannie? Yeah. You'll, you'll agree with him, huh? Okay. That's good. Anybody here in, in, the, in the middle row here? Sanctify. What does it mean to be sanctified? Uh, that's good. Purify. More like Jesus. Anybody over here? Sanct. What's that? You guys are hitting, uh, hitting nails right on the head, praise God. I, I wrote down a couple of words myself, um, and, if you w and, and, and I got this from 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4. It talks about it's the will of God for us to be sanctified. You can look that up for yourself, you know. This is before the rapture part, okay? 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 and verse number 3. That's where you'll find that. And the word sanctification there means literally to consecrate. See, transformation will help you to become more consecrated to the things of God. That's what our world has a hard time with, okay? And to consecrate means to, somebody hit it, separate. I don't do this stuff anymore over here because I don't have time. I've got to start working on this stuff over here. So what we do is we separate ourselves from the way we used to walk, and now we start walking in a more consecrated way. Get that? Yeah, another term that somebody used here was the term purification. That's true. That's exactly what that word means. God wants us to be transformed into pure vessels. And how many's found that to be kind of a, you know, a work? Sure, yes. And it's one of those relentless things. You and I have to constantly work on it. Because sometimes, you know, we don't have the purest motives, do we? We have the selfish motives. And so when we talk about or when we observe other characters in the Bible, we're going to find similar traits. That that's really what kind of got them into trouble, just like it gets us into trouble. And so God has to help us to be transformed, and He can do that. I'm telling you something, folks. He can do that. So good job. Yeah, the word sanctification is one of those words that is being lost today. Most people don't have a clue. Most people don't. And you don't want to know why? Because our religious, charismatic world just teaches them, just be justified. That's all you have to do. All you have to do is believe. All you have to do is have faith in God. And I'm not against that, folks. That's not what I'm talking about here. But I'm saying, if you want to become like Jesus, you're going to have to take some things a little more serious than that. And so that's what we're doing. It's not a bad word. It's something that you and I have chosen to do, and God can help us. Praise God. Look at what it says up there on the screen. Through sanctification, which we just talked about, the power of sin's influence begins to diminish. Doesn't mean that we never sin. 
Doesn't mean that we never make any mistakes. It just means that, hey, it's becoming not quite as often as it used to be. And that's a good thing, folks. That is a good thing. That is going to help us to become closer to God. That's going to help us to act more like Jesus. And in essence, that's going to help our light to shine in this world like it never has before. Oh, I'm excited, folks. I'm excited about being marked for transformation. Come on, I don't want to avoid it. I want to work on it. I want God to be able to talk to me, do whatever he wants to do any time of the week, praise God. And like I said, you know, it doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes. It just means that, praise God, that, that sin begins to take on a whole different light. And boy, I mean to tell you, that is, that is an absolute um, um, uh, a good thing. It says in here, it says, instead of just being declared righteous through Christ's anointing, sacrifice known as justification and that's really what justification is is that we accept what Jesus Christ has done okay believers actually become more righteous now listen to this we actually can become more righteous through sanctification now here's here's the um, the challenge is that sometimes we can get to a place where we think we're working our way to heaven and we got to be careful with that one that one is not what God has intended for sanctification. Sanctification is really just intended for us to become more like Him. And so this is what we have to be careful with, that we don't give the wrong impression, okay? And so to become more righteous, now I know we're righteous, we, we, we can obtain righteousness through faith, but we become even more righteous through sanctification. In Jesus' name. And so this is what God wants to do. Um, it says here, it says, the way we feel and the way we think are also transformed. That's what happens through sanctification, is the way we feel and the way we think begins to really, really change. Praise God. And in short, the self is transformed as we become the person God has not only created, but the person who God has called. And that's what you guys are doing in Jesus' name. Why don't we just close our eyes and lift up our hands right now for about 15 seconds and ask the Lord to, to give us a fresh revelation of that. Thank you, Jesus. I am so glad that we can understand these terms, that we can really come to an honest understanding of what you're really trying to do in our lives in Jesus' name. God, I am so glad that I serve you. I am so glad that you are my Savior in Jesus' name. And Lord, I give you all the credit and the praise in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Now let me give you something tonight. You might want to write this down. This will go right along with what we're talking about here tonight. Uh, look at the, or you, you don't have to, but I'll read it for you. The Gospel of John, chapter number 1. John, the, the, um, the, the writer of this uh, um, uh, gospel, he started, out a, he started out way, way, way before everybody else did. You know, some of the, the, the apostles, they wrote about um, the, the genealogy. I think there's two of the gospels that, that deal with that. But John deals with the word. And watch what it says here. Um, it, the Bible says in verse number um, 11 of John 1, John 1 and 11, the scripture says there, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. Now this is referring to Jesus when he came to this earth, okay? And then look at verse 12. It says, but as many as received him, and the word actually means to get a hold of, to seize. For as many as received him, to them gave he power to 
Do you see that six-letter word there? To become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on His name. In verse 13 it says, Which were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So this is what's happening through transformation. Is God gives us the power through His grace, through His, His Holy Ghost, through His Word to become what He wants us to become. That's what's happening. That's why sanctification is so important. That we don't want to stop at justification. Yes, we want to have faith in God. Yes, we want to be justified that we have accepted the sacrifice that Jesus Christ has done for us. But we want to move on further. And we want to become more like Him. Now a good chapter, and I, I won't go there, but a good chapter for us to look at how Jesus did this is in the second chapter of the book of Philippians. Verses 5-8. through eight you'll see that let this mind that was in Christ be also in you. Uh, I'll let you study that. That's an absolute good way to approach this in Jesus' name. Now, as we said tonight, the, main, the major character that we're going to be dealing with here is a man named Jacob. And Jacob is, is an interesting guy, and um, he, um, he can teach us a whole lot of things, praise God. He's, um, he was a twin, and um, he was a, a, a child of, of uh, Rebecca and, um, and Isaac. And um, I mean to tell you, it was just an interesting thing, you know, what happened there. I don't know if you're aware of this, but Isaac was not married until he was 40 years of age. He was 40 years of age when the servant came back with his wife. And then, due to uh, natural circumstances, he was, they did not have any children for another 20 years, you know. Uh, Esau and Jacob were not born until he was 60 years of age. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that. That's why when they got of age to pass the, the birthright, he was having a hard time with his sight. It's because he was well advanced in age. Now, I'm not here to bring any aspects of age and that type of thing, but, you know, sometimes we have to be careful with that. Praise God. Age does have a way of challenging us in that type of thing. Now, as I said before, Jacob... Um, no... Yeah, here it is. Jacob and his twin brother up there on the screen, Esau, were born to Isaac and Rebekah. Praise God. This was the, 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 their parents and that type of thing. And Jacob, the name of Jacob, I'm sure some of you have, have studied this before, but his name literally means to be a heel grabber. And you want to know why? Because that's what he was doing. When the first child was born, he grabbed his heel, you know. And so, you know, Jacob was kind of the one that followed Esau and, and kind of struggled with that identity um, throughout his life. It says here, Esau was born first with Jacob following close behind. In fact, Jacob was born with his hand grasping Esau's heel. Literally, that's what was happening. And that's what lent to the fact of why they called him, you know, what, a, what, a, what he did you know, or who he was and that type of thing. You know, a lot of times people got their names by what, you know, some of the first things that they did in life and that type of thing. And with Jacob, he was a heel grabber. Another um, uh, a word that uh, could be transformed or transferred with, with Jacob is the word subplanner. And what the word subplanner means is it means to exceed something and to replace it. See, that was, that was something that Jacob... In the, in the back of his mind, wanted to do. He wanted to exceed Esau. And you must understand, you know, sometimes you just, <laughs> you got to be careful with that. Now let me pose a question. Let me get some of your input here. What is the danger 
in believing yourself to be someone or something that you're not. And I'm referring to Jacob right now. That's really where he got himself into trouble sometimes. He thought he was something or someone that he was not. What's the danger of that? Failure? I think that's, um, uh, I think that's a good statement. How about somebody else? Sister Carnahan? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're just too busy trying to become like what somebody else is. Yeah. What's that? Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah. Anybody else? What are we talking about when you're trying to be something or someone that you're not? Disappointed? Yeah, I think there's all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah. 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 I think we all can agree that that's not where we want to go with life. But how many have found themselves slipping into that from time to time? You saw somebody doing something or somebody being something, and you say, hey, I want to be that way. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, I think that we have to understand that we're all going to struggle to a certain degree with some of this stuff. Amen. And I don't think it's wrong to admire people. I don't think it's wrong to use people for, for the idea that, hey, I want to be better, that type of thing. But we've got to be careful because God wants you and wants me to become the person that he created. Okay? And this is what he can do, praise God. It's like the snowflake. You've heard the idea of the snowflake, that there's no two snowflakes alike. Amen. And so this is what we are. We're individuals. God uses us and he wants to. I wrote down three words and, and uh, some of you hit on it. I wrote down three words when it comes to a danger in believing yourself to be someone or something that you're not. One is frustration. I think somebody used that term. Another one was hypocrisy. Sometimes we become hypocrites. And then another one was deception. We deceive ourselves in the thinking that we can do this when really what it's all, all it's going to do Praise God is it's going to get us into trouble. Now, in letter C up there on, on the screen there, what happened here where, where the beginning of the interesting things in this story come to is Jacob convinced Esau to sell his birthright to him. Do you remember the story? You know, you got two opposites. One guy was, was kind of a homebody. The other one was kind of the hunter and that type of thing. And so here's Esau coming back from one of his hunting trips. He's famished. He's hungry and that type of thing. And, and Jacob caught him at a weak moment, didn't he? Yeah. And here he is making, a, you know, making soup, you know. And so, you know, when, he, when you're hungry, anything smells good, right? And so here's Esau, man. He's saying, I'm hungry and I need something to eat. And boy, Jacob, who... Remember who he is. He's a heel grabber. You know, he's a little kind of has a little bit of that deception stuff in him. He says, I'm going to take opportunity of this. Amen. He says, well, I'll give you a bull. But um, how about that birthright? And don't tell me that he didn't have his eye on that for some time. This wasn't the first time that came up in his mind. See, you've got to understand, praise God, sometimes those kind of situations crop up in our lives and we'll desire something. Now, I'm not saying good, bad, or, or indifferent. I'm just saying this is the story that we're studying. This is somebody who need to, needed to be transformed. Amen. And so God had a way of bringing some of this stuff to the surface, didn't he? And that's the same thing he will do for us. 
That's why we have to come to terms with some of this stuff. We have to realize that God really does want and wants to continue to sanctify us. He wants to purify our motives, praise God. And when he begins to do this, this makes you and I, whoever we are, whoever we are in God, this makes us a better person. And so this is what God is doing, and this is what he's showing us through Jacob, praise God. And so Jacob, he convinces his brother, yes, that birthright isn't much, praise God. But you must understand, listen to this, birthrights, however, were not something that could be bought or sold. Jacob did not obtain the birthright that day. He did not because it wasn't for him to give. You must understand the birthright came from the father. So some scheming was going to take place, wasn't it? Amen. That's what was going to happen, praise God. And where do we see the scheming going? Yeah, look at this. Yeah, Jacob with the help of his mom. Yeah, yep. They tricked Esau or Isaac that's what was happening here and I think some of that might have had to do with his age you know that type of thing you know but nevertheless that's what was happening praise God Amen. watch this I, I saw this and I didn't see it in the notes but I thought it would be something that that we should share look at this look at uh, Genesis chapter number 27 I believe it is I think it's 27 maybe it's 28. Yeah, it's 20. No, no, it's... I had it marked in my Bible. Yeah, there it is. Listen to this. Um, uh, Genesis chapter number 25. I knew it was in Genesis. Verse 21. Look at this. I told you before that um, Isaac was 40 years of age when he got married. And then he was 60 years of age when he had his first kids. You know, about time he should be having grandkids, right? Well, the Bible says there in verse number 21, it wasn't all Isaac's fault. I believe he wanted to have children right away. That's my opinion or my assumption. But look at this. The scripture says in verse 21, and Isaac entreated. The word literally means he prayed. He prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. Do you see what, what the deal was? She couldn't have kids. Well, and the scripture says, and the Lord was entreated of him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Now, the issue here is in verse 22. This is already back into the womb. That's why I don't let anybody tell you that, that, that life doesn't start, you know, until after they're born. No, it starts in the womb. There's things that go on in the womb that I don't even understand, but they're alive. And look at what was happening in the womb there. Verse 22, And the children struggled together within her. And she said, If it be so, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. There was something going on with these two kids inside of her that she was going, What's going on, God? Or maybe in our language, she would say, what is the deal? <laughs> yeah. She's going, man, alive. these kids are like they're fighting in there. Well, got to understand, God wants us to understand. And the scripture says in verse 23, the Lord told her, look at this, two nations are in thy womb. Whoa, this is a little bigger than just these two kids here. 
you know. And the scripture, and he went on to say, and the two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. There's going to be a separation that's going to take place. And the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. There it is. God's already telling Rebecca what's going to happen. Praise God. Amen. Now, I don't know. It doesn't, you see, it sometimes we don't know. I don't know if she went to Isaac, you know, that night and said, hey, Isaac, I was in prayer today and the Lord shared with me. I don't know. I have no idea. The Scripture does not give us that. But I do know that the Lord let her know that something was going to happen there, you know. And so, even from the womb, God understood the desires of those two boys. That is amazing to me. That is amazing to me that you and I, we serve a God that knows everything. That's why I'm telling you, as he begins to transform your life and as he's transforming your life, don't be afraid of that. Begin to welcome that. You and I are in the best position that anybody could be in this life. We serve the Lord. We've already accepted by faith what He's done for us. And now, God, we want the process to continue. We want to become more like You. We are, we are comfortable with the idea that we can become more like Him in Jesus' name. Isn't that exciting? I'm telling you, folks, that is, a, that is something that I, I, I pray that the whole world would get a hold of this. Amen. And so just for coming to Wednesday night Bible study, God has put that in your lap in Jesus' name. And so these are the things, praise God. These are the things. And just so you know that I got this out of the Scripture, look at verse 26 there, 25 and 26. Genesis. The Bible says, And after that came his brother out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she bore them. Threescore is sixty. He was sixty years old when those kids were born. And so he wasn't a young man. He was not. And so that brought about some, um, you know, some interesting things and that type of thing. And, and boy, I mean to tell you, you know, as life progressed, you know, there were some desires. I'm going to call them wrong desires, but there were some desires that began to come to the surface in Jesus' name. You know, it poses an interesting question here in this Bible study, and that is, what do people usually do when their past starts catching up with them? What do people usually do? Anybody got any ideas about that? <laughs> what? Yeah. We don't like that, do we? You know, and I don't know about you guys, but I have learned in life, you know the sin that I hate the most? is the sin that I know that's in my life that I see in somebody else's. Yeah. That's why when you have kids, guess what? Yeah, we get looking at those kids and we go, man, that looks familiar. Don't we? We sure do. And so that's what it is, praise God. And I'm not here to be critical or to be the judge of any of that type of thing. I'm just saying that living for God, living life, has a way of revealing things to us. It just does. And you know, the, the, the quicker that we can get over the fact that we're trying to hide this stuff, or as most of you said, run from it, we can begin to do something about it. 
we can begin to take care of it in Jesus' name, and God can help us, praise God. And so we see that, 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 that Jacob tricked his brother, praise God, in and, um, and of course, you know, he had to still go into the father and he had to convince the father that he was actually somebody that he wasn't. Amen. You remember how the story went? Remember how he did that? I mean, even his complexion wasn't anywhere near his brother was. And so, boy, they, 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 they schemed this thing. Him and his mother, they got together, didn't they? They knew the perfect meal. Man's way to a man's heart is what? Yeah, sometimes that's the truth, isn't it? But the idea of it is they cooked the right stuff. And she even put animal skins with hair on it. And, and because of his diminishing eyesight, you know, I don't know what he had, macular dimension or uh, whatever that is or whatever the case is, but he couldn't see very good. So all he could do is touch and feel. Amen. And even the voice, if you study the story, it's kind of an interesting story. Even the voice, he was saying, man, this don't sound like Esau. Yeah, this sounds like somebody else, you know. So it's a classy case, folks, a classy case of how somebody was trying to become somebody that they weren't. Amen. And so, again, I'm not here to, to criticize or to, um, uh, you know, to, you know to, to, to be the judge. I'm just saying that we can learn a lot from this. We can. Listen to this. Now, because of the, uh, of the fact that he tricked his brother, Jacob had to depart and live with his uncle Laban. Remember that? Yeah. And on the way to Haran, he had a spiritual dream. And in response, you know, he struck up a deal with God. I don't know if you remember that in the story, you know. And, 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 and basically it was God, if you do such and such, I'll do so and so and all that kind of business. But, you know, he came to his uncle Laban's uh, farm or whatever, his estate and that type of thing. And that's why I wrote down, you know, when, what do people usually do when their past starts catching up with them? I wrote down a cliche. And you know what that cliche is? What goes around? Yeah. That's usually what happens. And that's why, you know, there are cycles that sometimes we have in our lives. Sometimes we just exist in cycles. And, the, you know, the challenging thing is, is the world can't break those cycles like God can. How many here have experienced a cycle being broken in your life? Me too. Come on, I feel like I want to give God some praise for that right now. Come on, I think that's a good thing. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. I'm glad that cycle was broken. Oh, hallelujah. Woo! Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, man, alive. This transformation stuff is exciting, isn't it? That's what it does. That's why I'm telling you, folks, is that just being justified a lot of times doesn't take care of the problem. What it does is it introduces us to the person who can help us with it. That's why the religious world that does not choose to become sanctified they're never going to become like Jesus. All they're going to do is they're going to, in my opinion, they're just doomed to repeat the cycle. Repeat the cycle. And that's why, and again, I'm not being the judge. I'm just saying you can go back to a lot of people's lives, people that you know in this city, and you're going, man, there ain't a whole lot of difference in their life since they accepted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Now again, I am not the judge. 
but I'm saying that God puts sanctification in our life so that people can observe our life and they can come back and they can say, I used to know that guy when he worked there. I used to know that person when they were then. And boy, they certainly aren't that anymore. Amen. I remember the person who was here when Sister Carnahan and I came to this city, Randy and Anita Shoppy. They're great people, and they're pastoring in, in Hardin, Montana right now. But he worked for the sheriff's department. He was, um, I think he got to the rank of, sheriff, or of, uh, of sergeant up there. And so that meant he was in charge of a shift. And I remember he was telling me one time, he said there was a guy that was um, at, at his job that he had been inviting to come to church. And this guy had been just absolutely turning him down, turning him down. And there were people that were in, from various churches that were in his shift and in the sheriff's department at the time and were doing the same thing, doing the same thing with this guy, wanting him to come to church with them. And I think that's a good thing. Can you say Amen. But I remember the reaction that this guy had. Brother Shoppy was telling me that this guy, after months and months of people inviting him to church, he got irritated one time. And one day when they were having one of those assemblies, where that meant when the whole, the whole uh, shift met together and they were talking, this guy stood up and he said, listen, I'm going to save all of you people, you know, some time. He said, quit inviting me to come to your church. He said, when I get ready to go to a church, he said, guess what? I'm going to the one that Randy Shoppy goes to. And he stood up and he said, you want to know why? Because I see a difference in his life that I don't see in a lot of your other, other lives. Now that's somebody who's in the world observing this stuff. And so you and I, we can understand that that's one of the reasons why God puts sanctification in our lives. So that people can know the real deal. Amen. It's not that we're trying to build ourselves as better than anybody else. It's just that we're believing that God is making us continually. We are becoming. Come on, we're becoming the sons of God. That's what God is doing with us. And that's exciting. That's something that people will notice, whether or not they want to admit it or not. And so I have never, I've never forgotten that reaction. That has spoken volumes to me as a person. That God, you just keep helping me to become like you. And that is the purest, that is the purest form of witnessing that I can ever see in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? I think it's great, folks. I think this idea of being marked for transformation is a cool thing in Jesus' name. Now, one of the major thoughts here in this Bible study is the fact that if you humbly present yourself before God, which is what sanctification really is, if you humbly present yourself before God as broken and flawed, He will transform you and bless your family. That's what Jacob found out, praise God. Remember what I said before? Praise God. you got to understand, Jacob was, he had some struggles, and Jacob was, you know, um, whoa, did I get that right? This thing gets ahead of itself. Nope, that's the wrong one. There it is. Okay, Jacob, you know, Jacob was at the mercy of his own sins. His sins found him out, praise God. And so he had to come to terms with some things. And guess how God decided to do it? He sent him to an uncle's house that did pretty much the same thing that was going on in his own life. Isn't that cool? See, that's God. 
Sometimes He will allow certain situations and people to come into our life so that you and I can see what we need to be saved from. And that's exactly what happened to Jacob, praise God. And I want you to understand something. The key word here, praise God, is the word mercy. That's the mercy of God. That's what he does, praise God. And I thank God for that. You know, Jacob, he was bearing the consequences of his deception, lies and trickery. And since Jacob had decided to pursue his own desires, that was part of his problem, by the way, and assert himself as the top dog of his family, you know, or, or, you know, to assert himself as the top dog, his family paid the price for that. And so we must keep that in mind, that one of the reasons that God wants to change us is so the people that God puts into our lives will be blessed. And so keep that in mind, praise God. This is what God is doing, praise God. And I'll tell you something, God is an awesome God. He is an awesome God. He knows exactly what He's doing in Jesus' name. Now up on the screen again, the structure, the structure of Jacob's family reveals how the family was dysfunctional. And again, I'm not trying to rake Jacob over the coals. I'm just saying that it was revealed that this stuff bled down into his family and his sons became dysfunctional too. And that wasn't some judgment of God upon him. That was just the idea of how it is. Praise God. And that's why you and I, we must allow the sanctification process to keep happening, keep happening. Because it's not only going to affect us, it's going to affect the people who are in our lives in Jesus' name. And what a beautiful thing, praise God. What a beautiful thing. Now, when you talk about the structure of Jacob's life, you have to understand that he had children. He had, how many children did he have? How many? Yeah, he had 12 boys and, and one girl, right? You know, well, the, the idea of that is, folks, he had that with four different women. And I was talking to my wife today this morning, and it wasn't just because of this lesson, but I was telling her, I said, I don't, you know, I, I can't imagine that. How would you like to be married to a couple of different women that didn't like each other? How would you like to have that kind of competition in your, in your house? Have you counted your blessings lately? I have. Praise God. That'd be a tough situation. I'm not making excuses for Jacob. I'm just saying, man, alive. You talk about a tough situation. Wow. Amen. You know, and so these things are, 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 are tremendous things and, and, and has brought about and brought about quite a bit of dysfunction in his family. Praise God. Now, let me ask the question. Praise God. Well, here, first, let me get to this here. You know, Leah had four children while Rachel had how many? None. You know, she was the one, you know, that had the children to begin with. And boy, that, that was not going over well with Rachel, you know. And, and Rachel, of course, you know, said, give me children or I die, you know. And, of course, Jacob, you know, he's between a rock and a hard place there. And he's going, who am I? I'm not God. Well, he did follow his father's advice and he entreated the Lord. And, of course, the Lord was merciful and gave Rachel children. But, boy, I'm telling you something, folks. That family life must have been something. Amen. And so I thank God for coming into our lives, helping us to be justified by faith, and then through the process of sanctification to help us to have good, healthy families in Jesus' name. Somebody holler at me, say, not perfect. Not perfect. No, no, 
None of us are going to get to that state. But boy, I'll tell you something, they're a whole lot better than some of the stuff that's going on in the world. And so I thank you. I thank God for that in the name of Jesus. And so the decisions that were made, the decisions that were made affected a lot of different people. And that's why, again, it's important for us to allow the sanctification and the transformation process that God has in our life. Listen to me, saying of God, you are marked for transformation. That's what God says He wants to do in yours and my life. And I thank God for that. I thank God for that every day in Jesus' name. Praise God. Now, as it says up here, not only Leah and Rachel suffered, but Jacob's, you know, for Jacob's decisions, but his children also suffered. You've got to understand that contention that's in a family like that and competition and all of this stuff that comes, you know, from, from what we're talking about in Jacob's life. And again, all I'm doing is using it as, as, as an example. We have to be extremely careful, praise God. You know, it's one of the things that I've always thanked God. You know, my mom and dad weren't in, in the apostolic church, but they were good people as far as the world was concerned. And one thing that I, I, I always remember about my mother and my father, you know, I mean, they had their favorites. Obviously, my oldest sister was my mom's favorite. She was, and she just was, um, because she was the oldest and that type of thing. And I remember when she died, my mom took it really hard. And even going to her grave, she, she, had, she mentioned things about my oldest sister, Carolyn. But the everyday things in our family is what I remember. I don't, I don't think I could hold it against people for having certain things like that. The oldest one does hold a certain position that you can't deny that. And I think if you try to erase that, I think you're going to get yourself into a whole lot more trouble. But even with that, even with that, I mean, I could sit here and go, well, my oldest brother was named after my grandfather. And then my, my brother next to me was named after my father. Where did they come up with the name Steve? And boy, I could really get a hang-up on that one, couldn't I? Man, I, I mean, I really should be the saddest person in the world. But you know, one of the things that my mother and father, I, that's what I remember, is that they did not treat us differently. That everybody had the same rules in our house. And you know, even though they didn't lend themselves to, to lead me to a lot of godly things, they taught me a lot of things in, in, in that area. And I appreciate that. And that's something that I, I tried to transpose into my own family, praise God, is that I was going to try to treat all my kids, my three children, I'm going to try to treat them the same in Jesus' name. And boy, I believe that's of God. I believe God can help us to do that in Jesus' name. And so Jacob's family suffered because of the decisions that he made, praise God. And so there's no doubt that there were some effects to that in Jesus' name. Now, let's, let's take a few minutes here, and our time is just about done. But in your observation, how is the dysfunction like this, like Jacob's family, how is it seen in, seen in our world today? What have you observed with situations like this in our world today? Anybody? Ooh, yeah. Can you give it like a specific? Yeah. 
That's a, that's a powerful point. It's, it's an uncomfortable and a hurting point, though, isn't it? Because some of us have been caught up in that. Aren't you glad that you're being transformed? Aren't you glad that you can leave that past behind? And you can march on and say, hey, I used to be the way it was, but now the buck has changed, praise God. The cycle has been broken in Jesus' name. But Jeannie's right. We're seeing that a lot in our, in our world today. Anybody else, generational curses, praise God, were what the fathers did, the sons do, or the daughters and that type of thing. Anybody else? You got any examples that you can think of? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're seeing some real huge problems out there, aren't we, Tom? I mean, big problems. Amen. And again, that lends itself to what you and I are part of. Amen. We're not perfect. We're not going to ever claim the fact that we don't ever make mistakes. But boy, isn't it nice to know that we can live in a family, in a home, that God's at the, is on the throne, praise God, and that things are not only different for us, but they're going to be different for our kids in Jesus' name. Listen to me. I'm going to make a very powerful statement right now. Never underestimate the power of influence. And that's what God is doing in our lives. That's one of the reasons why sanctification or transformation is so important. Is because God is using that sanctification or transformation to influence people. Amen. And sometimes it might be very subtle. But praise God, I mean to tell you, it is, it, is, it is a powerful thing. Well, let's end this story, or let's get to the end of this story, if I can. Okay. Ah, there we are. Okay, in Genesis chapter 32, I mentioned at the beginning of this Bible study that Jacob had two uh, very important experiences with God. The first one was, of course, when he was on his way to his uncle Laban's house, and that's when he stopped that night. Remember that, when he had the dream? You remember the dream? beautiful dream how that the angels of the Lord were ascending and descending to the throne room of God man what what that must have looked like amen and he woke up and he makes the statement he said surely the presence of the Lord was in this place and I didn't even know it you know well that's quite an indictment but it's a good thing that he remembered that you know but the next or another experience that Jacob had that was very 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 tremendous was the one we'll talk about here praise God and that is in Genesis chapter 32 you know we find that Jacob wrestling with a man literally a man you know or you know God situation here and Jacob refused to let him go until he was blessed amen there was something what I would consider as determination in Jacob's life, praise God, by this time. And he said, listen, I know that something needs to happen here. And you know, sometimes this is what happens to us. I believe we come, you know, to a point in our life when we know something has to go. Something has to change. And I'm not here to put my finger on it for you. I know that there's been situations in my own life that that's what the case is, you know. I think I was telling somebody about a situation that I had at the jail when I first came out here and how a young man came in and began to confess hideous things to me. And at that point in time, praise God, I, God was calling me to go into this city and minister. Well, right away, I asked that man to pray with me and I, we began to pray. And I was praying that God would open up my eyes to see that man the way he sees him. And boy, I believe that was a, that was a pineal in my life. 
It really was, folks. I'm not saying everything was perfect after that, but I am going to tell you that I believe that was an encounter of God where God helped me to see something the way He sees it in Jesus' name. And so I don't know how many pineal experiences I've had since I've been out here, but I've had quite a few. Anybody else? Yeah, that's a good thing. That's when we come face to face with God. And that's part of the transformation process is that, hey, we don't want to just deal with the presence of the Lord. We want God to make some changes in our lives. And we see something that happened here. We see the fact that this wrestling continued until the breaking of day. This is something that we don't find sometimes, and that is tarrying in the presence of God until. Amen. Just say, making up our minds that, God, this week something's going to happen, and I'm going to tarry in your presence until that happens in the name of Jesus. And I believe that kind of determination, which worked well for Jacob, because Jacob was never the same after that. Come on, he got his name changed. And you understand what that name change was all about. Now all of a sudden, he's got power with God. Now all of a sudden, you know, he's able to overcome and do certain things, praise God, in his life that he wasn't before. And that's why the transformation, sanctification process is so important, praise God is that we want God to bring us to a place, praise God, amen, until the Scripture tells us in Genesis chapter 32 and, and 26, praise God, that, that He said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me, praise God. That was a determination that, that Israel or Jacob had, praise God. That God, I want your blessing. I want you to do something, praise God, in the name of Jesus. But here's what I want you to see as we wind down with this Bible study. In Genesis chapter number 32, praise God, the man or the person in, in the story with Jacob, you know, the Bible says, or the, the Bible study says, the man asked Jacob a question. What is your name? Does that remind you of something? Years before that, 20-some years before that, he went into his father's room and his father asked him the same question. And you know what Jacob did then? Yeah, but he ain't lying now. Why is that? Because God, through transfer, transformation, was able to help him to own himself, to come to terms about himself. And once we come to terms about ourselves, praise God, that's when I have found out that that's when God can make some of the greatest changes in our life. If we're going to keep denying who we are, if we're going to keep denying some of the tendencies that we have, no wonder God can't do a whole lot for us. But if we can begin to admit to the fact that we're flawed people who are saved by the grace of God and allow God to come in and show us some things about ourselves, then I believe and then only can God begin to, to strengthen the process in the name of Jesus. Can you say amen? I'm telling you folks, this is one of the greatest hopes that you and I have. Amen. Is that the fact that God is here, praise God. What's happening here in this encounter with God? Well, let me read this to you. Here the man was asking Jacob to be honest. And a lot of times that's exactly where God's going to take us, folks. He's going to take us to the place where we can be fully disclosed. Amen. And what a beautiful thing. I don't know about you, but that used to intimidate the daylights out of me. But not anymore. 
I'm starting to welcome that process into my life. I'm starting to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for showing me who I am, praise God, so that I can not only own it, but I can say, God, we're going to do things differently now in the name of Jesus. The Bible says if any person be in Christ, they're a new creature. But you and I, we're, we can testify to the fact that that doesn't happen overnight, does it? Come on, that happens slowly. That happens through a process. That happens through, yes, we've got to recognize Bethel and we've got to understand the presence of the Lord is in the place. But in my opinion, it happens when we come to terms with Benil. When we come to the face of God and we start to realize, praise God, I can get serious about this and with God's help, some things can begin to happen in the name of Jesus. Oh, I am so thankful for the Lord in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. And so God gave him something in which to remember this by. I don't know if you remember that or not. The Bible says that God, the man, touched his hip. Remember that? And he had a permanent leap or a permanent limp. I remember I preached a message. I think I preached it in this church. Don't trust a person without a limp. Amen. I'm telling you, folks, all of us are going to have something that God is going to put in our life so that we can remember what He has done and where He has taken us from in Jesus' name. And that, listen to me, that is the blessing of the Lord. Yeah, that's God's blessing on your life in the name of Jesus. Oh, what a mighty God. Praise God. The Scripture says as we, as we conclude this lesson in, in, in verse 27 there, the Bible says that, what does that say up there? And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And that's when he was honest. I am a heel grabber. I am somebody who's been trying to be like my brother. You see, that's what Jacob was doing at that moment. He was becoming honest with who he was. And that's when the man could turn around and say, I'm changing that all right now. I'm changing that all right now. Now you're Israel. Now you've got power with God. Hey, let me transport that into the New Testament. You shall receive power after that, the Holy Ghost come upon you. And you shall be witnesses. Now, I'm not talking about a worldly witness. I'm talking about a godly witness. That's what God said he would do for you and I in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. I don't know if you enjoyed this Bible study or not, but this is precious. These kind of, um, of, um, of, of character studies are so valuable to us. Why? Because we can realize that, hey, we're just human beings that are just following the process that God wants us to follow. In Jesus' name. Let me conclude this by saying, in this lesson we explored the story of Jacob who was a perfect example of how focusing on others distracted from his relationship with God and God's perfect will for his life. While wrestling, Jacob asked for the man's name. The man refused to give his name. Sometimes when God is trying to deal with us, we have a tendency to focus on others. Can somebody say amen? Sure we do. Another biblical character behaved in a similar way. This individual was Peter. Yes, Jesus prophetically informed Peter that he would deny Jesus three times. Instead of taking Jesus' word to heart, Peter increased his irony by denying Jesus' prediction of Peter's denial. That's what he did. Yeah. 
And of course, Jesus' prediction came to pass only 35 verses later, according to Matthew's Gospel. And as a result of his denial, Peter departed from Jesus and wept bitterly. And so we have example after example after example in the Scriptures that help us to understand that many people before us, praise God, have taken the sanctification trail and have ended up okay in Jesus' name. Why don't you stand with me tonight? Why don't we, why don't we uh, conclude this Bible study with thanking the Lord for a little bit of the revelation of what it means to be sanctified tonight in Jesus' name. Come on, recognize that in your personal lives. That's what God is doing. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you so much. I appreciate your mercy, God, your long-suffering. How you deal with us, God, is just absolutely special. Help us tonight to get rid of all of the embarrassment and the shame that comes with revealing who we are. Help us to get rid of that stuff, God. Help us to quit trying to hide it. Help us, Lord God, to own ourselves. But Lord God, along with that, admit to the fact that we need to get better in some areas, in Jesus' name. And help us to be that witness in this world, Lord God. God, and I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. You are the one, Lord God, that helps us to get these things to pass in the name of Jesus. And I appreciate all these people coming out tonight and, Lord God, subjecting themselves to your word in Jesus' name. And I give you the praise and the glory. And everybody say amen. Hey, let's clap our hands one more time to the Lord.